Dragged into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 15 of Breaking Bats. Uh, I'm Brian O'Grady here with my co-host, Justin Ayers. We are, God, it's almost June, dude. It's almost June here in Japan. We're in the full swing of things. Um, we have some a little update with some news we'll get to in a minute. But uh, before that, how you doing, dude? What's going on? I know you had a, uh, a nice weekend. How'd that go? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really good, man. Yeah, I, I spent four days in the Berg with all my fellow Yinzers up there in Pittsburgh. It was fantastic. I bought a $10 Kenny Pickett t-shirt off the street. Uh, so <laughs> so shout out shout out Kenny Pickett up there uh, for the Stillers. But yeah, it, it was a great weekend. I've been traveling, running all over. Haven't gotten a chance to watch too, too much baseball over the weekend, which I, I'm a little upset about. But uh, we, we, there's a couple of things we'll get to in a second. But yeah. We, but we do have some cool news to talk about, uh, cool podcast sponsorship news to bring up. Yeah, first, our first sponsor, um, very excited about this, the original Fudge Kitchen. If you don't like fudge, then I don't know if I can trust you. Some really good stuff. I enjoy it way too much. My wife really enjoys it too, so We'll be ordering from there for sure when I get back home. But the original Fudge Kitchen, fudgekitchens.com. That's Fudge Kitchens. Uh, they ship fudge and sweet treats across the country, including saltwater taffy, which is phenomenal, too. Um, for all my Philly area and Jersey Shore listeners, uh, they have locations in Ocean City, Stone Harbor, Wildwood, North Wildwood, and Cape May. Um, you can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Original Fudge Kitchen. It's it's so good. I'm, I'm, we're super excited about this. Um, Going to keep this partnership growing. And just again, that is the original Fudge Kitchen. It's Fudge Kitchens with an S dot com. Fudge Kitchens dot com. Check them out. They'll ship anywhere. And it is some really good stuff. So we're really uh, excited about that. And man, I don't think they ship to Japan, but I would love to have some right now, too. Oh, my God. I mean, it just screams summertime. You're, you're down the shore. You're, you're in New Jersey. You, you want to stop in there, grab some, uh, some of the whole family. I mean, it's just, it's the perfect summertime thing. And as we get going in here, Memorial day weekends coming up. So, uh, it's the perfect time to bring them on board. I am looking forward to, uh, going down, going up there. Sorry. Yeah. I gotta go. I gotta go Maryland to Jersey to get some, but it'll be well worth the trip. But, uh, yeah. Well, welcome aboard. First official sponsor of the breaking bats podcast. Yeah, that's all awesome. very happy. And yeah, man, that's, uh, I don't know people from people who aren't from the Northeast or, or Philly, Jersey and Maryland. I don't think they really understand. They, they like going to the shore aspect of life and what that exactly means. So it is definitely special. And yes, that is an absolute summertime treat. And man, I'm excited that they, that they ship all over the country because I'm definitely going to use that and surprise my, my wife with, with some of that stuff. Cause nothing like the real stuff. They make it right there the store you can watch so it's serious it's great but aside from that let's get to some baseball um well i played my first game back last night in major leagues went pretty well uh some rbis double uh we got back on track we got uh yenting Wu came back too he had a big game for us um and we also got our starting catcher back Mori. so the lines are are coming back together should be pretty tough. Um, I do have to say, our, sh- our starting shortstop, who's who's like the the Gold Glove shortstop here, Soske again, the, got hurt. He broke his foot in his foot. I think he's gonna be out about another month. Um, so that hurts. But my favorite player on the planet, he's a past Joey Wendell, my favorite player on the planet, has stepped in to play shortstop for us. I don't even know his first name. His last name is Takizawa. And I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that he is four foot nine, 125 pounds, fresh out of high school, and is an absolute baller. Like he he's he's a unbelievable, he's a really good shortstop, like really good shortstop. 
handles the bat. I don't think he's hitting any home runs anytime soon, but hits the ball, you know, and it's just, man, if you saw him out there before the game taking ground balls, you'd be like, man, that that eighth grader is really good. But uh, nope, he's he's 18 and he's fucking automatic at shortstop. It's phenomenal. I like it. It cracks me up. I told him if, you know, I I met him before. Um, and I told him he was my favorite player because he hit like he just no fear and, and you see him and it's just like, man, I don't know how he does it, but he's, <laughs> you know, I didn't think he'd be anywhere near this team for a while, but here he is. And he hit second last night. I mean, he singled to start the, the first inning right before me, I was hitting behind him and, you know, I, I walked and then we ended up scoring runs. So he just, he just gets it done, man. But it's just so fun to watch, and it's just so cool because it takes I, – I can only imagine that it takes a serious amount of confidence on his part to be doing this. And uh, But he really is. He plays He plays an unbelievable shortstop. And, yeah, I think the only thing he, he really might not be able to do yet is, is hit the ball over the fence. But I'm sure one day that will come, and I'm looking forward to following the rest of his career, man. But you have to check him out. It's really cool. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, I have the, the it was a Pacific League TV, so I'll, I'll be checking that out. Uh, Jose Altuve esque, would you say? I, I'm not kidding. I'm pretty. I think Tuve is bigger than a pretty decent size, bigger than he is. <laughs> he is, man. He looks like he could be my son, honestly. That's. But man, dude, he can play. He can play. I'm telling you. When, when we stop this, you're gonna have to go look. He can play. I will look him up. That's it's that's awesome. cool. That it's cool. You're back out there though. Did, did the team kind of like? Did they give you some warm wishes? You know, after coming back after the birth of your daughter. Yeah, everyone's excited. Um, it's good to be back. You know, obviously, I miss I miss my wife and daughter, but um, I did miss playing baseball too. So it's it's nice to be back, and I have built a pretty good relationship with these guys here. So it was cool to to, um, to see everybody again, you know, they're asking the pictures and just saying congratulations and, and everything like that. So they're all excited for me, but definitely excited to be back and, and get three important players or me and two other important players on the team uh, back too. So um, hopefully the Lions go on a little bit of run right here. Um, so I think we're in third place right now, which is, you know, the cutoff for the playoffs. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes, but uh yeah, man. Good to be back. Good to be back out there. Good win last night, first interleague game. So that's what we got going on over here. Um, before we get to our interview guest this week, which was phenomenal too. Uh, I wanted to talk about Manny Machado real quick. I know you you had a busy weekend, but uh, man, he's leading, he's leading the MLB in a whole lot of things. And but one game in particular in, in San Fran this weekend, he went four for four with three doubles and a triple, which is just a dream game right there. I mean, doesn't get much better than that. And he was going, I mean, left center, right center. Uh, it's just it's, you know, it's cool to see. I don't know why people didn't respect him as much or, or didn't think he was that good of a, a player anymore. I don't know. I, from being around them, it's just, I mean, it's unbelievable. I, like I said before him, him hitting line drives is the most beautiful thing. Like it, they're just so perfect. It, it's, it's crazy. So I'm happy to see that he's playing that well and that people are really starting to take notice to how good of a player he is. And, uh, it's just cool to see. I, I looked up, uh, he, had, he had a big series. He went eight for 14 with four doubles, a triple, and a homer in, in the Padres sweep of the Giants. Uh, that guy, I mean, look, I mean, we're, we're the number one Manny Machado podcast on the internet. That's already been well documented, but that's incredible. This, uh, I, I think we're staring down the barrel of a Manny Machado MVP season here. It's definitely looking that way right now. And I saw <clears throat> another stat. You know, they he he's played like the I forget if it was like the third most games in the last however many years. Like he's out there every day doing it, getting it done. Like you know, like Haas told us on here, just that's what he does, man. It's it's phenomenal. Uh, 
if I was if I was picking my MVP right now, it would be him for sure. Uh, and I know I know Judge is still doing a lot. I have Judge, he had two homers the other day again. Like that guy is, I don't know, he's going to get paid. But yes, Manny, Manny looking great. Uh, Padres looking great in general, playing really well. Atis still hasn't played, so they get him back. That's a they, they could be looking really tough. Um, another friend of the pod on the Padres, our own Joe Musgrove, Java Joe, is continuing to just obliterate lineups that he faces. I think he has seven quality starts already, leaves the majors. Like he's just throwing the shit out of the ball. Um, and after last time, you know, he had guys coming out saying they need to pay that guy and and that he's he's worth a lot. And man, I mean, I know he doesn't want to go anywhere. I, I know he said that to us. And uh, he is San Diego through and through. I know San Diego loves him. Uh, man, just happy for Joe. He's uh, all the uh, underwater training and and the other stuff that he's been doing is clear clearly paying off. Man, seriously, the the mentality. He's, uh, I mean, he, it really started to come together last year, but now, I mean, it's a whole nother level and he's been absolutely dominant. I looked it up. So he uh, has the league leading eighth quality start. The Padres have 21 quality starts on the year. Joe Musgrove is one of only five Padres to open a season with eight plus quality outings. This is from Annie Helbrun on Twitter. Helbrun. So no, yeah, uh, I know Annie. it's, he's, he's killing it. It's, it's so much fun to watch. Uh, I need to stay up longer uh, to watch more Padres games on the West Coast for our guys. We we should have a segment <laughs> where we just have like a friends of the program. Like Frank the Tank had a big home run over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, Frazier yep. hooked on around the uh, the pesky pole. I saw that. I saw Frazier with the showing off the pop. Yeah. So we'll we'll have to come up with a more formal way to to talk about our guests like that. But anytime they do something cool, I we'll agree. have to bring that up. I agree. Yeah, and I love all the. Uh, for people who haven't noticed all the highlights that breaking bats <clears throat> Twitter has been, has been tweeting out from around the league. Uh, cool way to check up on, on what's going on and just seeing what's happening. So um, sometimes they're going on when I'm sleeping, so I don't always retweet them, but if you're following us on breaking bats pod, you'll see them all, all the good stuff. So definitely check that out before we get to our interview guest. You had one other thing you wanted to talk about. Jay hit me. Uh, so this is the coolest thing I've ever seen for the baseball community, just because anytime we get some more eyeballs and exposure for our great game uh, is better. So Thomas Edward Patrick Brady was drafted by the Montreal Expos in 1995. Uh, he went on to have a pretty a pretty okay NFL career with a, with a couple Super Bowls in there. But uh, I, I still think deep down he thinks he's a baseball player. And on Twitter on, uh, on Tuesday, Brady put out a, a very funny video with him taking some hacks and Gronk shagging fly balls for him. Uh, but I looked at that swing, a 44 year old man who probably hasn't picked up a bat in a long time. When you watched that, Brian, what, what was your first impression of, of Tom's swing? I think, first of all, I think Tom way back when did like said that baseball was kind of his, his first love, but that he made he might've been a little bit better at, at football or he might've grown to like it more. But anyway, First impressions, he's got his quarterback wrist on, which cracked me up. And then he's still got his quarterback towel in the front of his shorts, which is hilarious too. So even though he's swinging a bat, he's still Tom Brady, the quarterback, can't get out of that. But, man, uh, not a lot of power, but a good-looking swing, a couple line drives. Uh, definitely impressed by by how it looked. Funny that he he's lefty too, which was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and – you know, like me, got a lefty swing. And then I will say he burned Gronk on the first one or the first, yeah, the first little highlight that he had there that might have been, might have took him 20 to hit that one. But I'll tell you what, Gronk looks pretty good and, and natural in the outfield. He catches the second one. He looks pretty good, camps under it. I mean, I was impressed with Gronk's outfield skills as well. And I'm sure the the Bucks fans are probably happy to see that Brady and Gronk are hanging out doing things and hoping that Gronk is going to come back again. I mean, yeah, he, Gronk might be the star of that video. I'm right. I'm looking at the swing. It's, you know, it, he looks very stiff. I don't know. Is that, is that a fair assessment? He's just kind of like 
super upright, not really as somebody who didn't play in the big leagues, but like from a swing mechanics perspective, did it, did anything look like it could be worked out? You think? I think, I think the time may have passed for Tom to work that out, but if Tom wanted to work on having a really good swing, something tells me that Tom Brady would end up having a really good swing. So I wouldn't doubt him. There's a, there's always a celebrity softball game uh, every July. So I would love to see, to see. Brady he, would, <laughs> he would probably dominate it. Let's be honest. <laughs> that was, it's uh, one of my favorite clips I've seen on the internet in a while. So love that. That's a good one. That's a good one. So all that we got this week, we have Tom McCarthy for our interview, who is the Phillies broadcaster, has been since 2001. Really cool career. Um, this show is really tailored towards our, our Philadelphia area listeners with the our fudge sponsor and Tom McCarthy. Um, man, I listened to him growing up, him and Harry Callis, uh, talking about the World Series run and, and those teams. I mean, especially 08 when they won the World Series, but just in general, those years, talking to him about, you know, seeing them every day. And and for me, you know, that's my childhood. That that was just really fun to talk about and really cool and really, you know, helped my love for baseball where those teams still love those guys. Um, and I know you enjoyed talking about just his career in general too. Yeah. Like I'm always so curious, like how guys at the top got there. And I, Tom had a very interesting story, just like, you know, flame out high school baseball player to, you know, work his way up the ranks at his college and what's really cool about all of this is that, again, sticking with our New Jersey, Philadelphia area theme is that he stayed local, which is something that doesn't really happen when you want to follow your dreams in the sports world, because a lot of the time you're moving across the country for stuff. You're not you're not afforded the luxury of living basically in your, your home state for the entire life. So I thought that was also something that was really cool. And he spent a little time with the Mets, too. So he didn't really have to travel far at all. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That definitely is is not too common. Uh, I know we had the other connection of he did a lot of Rutgers football games. Um, so he's yeah, he's very Jersey, very Philly area. And, you know, the Mets stuff was was cool, too. Um, but just it was really fun to talk to him. Uh, hopefully we can, we can get the Matt Stairs hook up because that would be really cool. That would be a, a dream for me. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, let's take it to the interview with Philly's broadcaster, Tom McCarthy. Joining us today on Breaking Bats is Tom McCarthy, Phillies broadcaster since 2001. For all of us who grew up in the Philly area, Phillies fans, um, as long as I can remember, I've heard Tom, uh, you know, back with the great Harry Callis, too. Um, some of the great memories of myself growing up, you know, World Series, things like that. Uh, Tom, it's awesome to have you on here. Thank you so much for for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, you know, for me, it's the same thing with Harry. You know, just to, I keep thinking back to 2008 when he called the world championship because, you know, he he didn't get a chance to call the 80 championship. So we were so excited that he was on the last call that they won it, that he was on the last out of that game, which was it was awesome. It was so awesome. I can't the amount of, you know, my dad every night, the Phillies would always be on. Obviously, I would play baseball. I was big, big. Big baseball yeah. fan growing up. Um, I'll never forget watching those playoff games. I was at the one playoff game, but the World Series, sitting on the couch with my dad, watching them them win it. And, and like you said, hearing that call from Harry, I mean, Great. I can remember it like it was yesterday. It was just such a cool moment, especially, you know, the Phillies, they had a great run there. But the years before that, they weren't, they weren't the best team for a little while there. So, yeah. Uh, it was a good turnaround and man, just an unbelievable. I can't, can't imagine what it was like to experience that whole run and, and witness it like that. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I actually was in the booth the night that he called the championship. It was, it was the world series championship wheels was to the left. Harry was in the middle and I was pinned up against the wall behind a camera uh, just cause I wanted to see their reaction of the whole thing. Yeah. Cause as a broadcaster, you want to call those big moments, you know, you want to, you want to be on the microphone at the end of a game, at the end of a, a, a shot in, in basketball, you know, game-winning, you know, touchdown in football. You want those opportunities. So the fact that he had never done it before and got a chance to do it was pretty sweet. It was a great gift, not only for him, but also to the folks in Philadelphia, which I always say that, 
you know, he passed away, unfortunately, uh, less than a year later. And it was just a great gift for him to take with him and to give to the Philadelphia Phillies fans. As perfectly said, absolutely. You're, you're totally right. Um, man, those were, those were some good times for sure. Mm. J.A., what's going on, dude? What do you got no, over there? I wanted to take it back, Tom, because I was reading about your backstory. It's fascinating, but uh, I want to take it to the way back. Like when your love for baseball, like when did it first start? Oof. You know, my dad, um, my dad really gave us that love more than anything else. And our grandparents did, too. So I, I grew up uh, I grew up a Mets fan in New Jersey, but we would go to Yankee games, Mets, Mets games and Phillies games. And we went to a lot of Phillies games because it was easier to go down Route 70 to, uh, to the vet than it was to drive all the way up to Yankee Stadium or to Shea Stadium. So that was how we were kind of connected as a family was, you know, just through baseball. It was always on in the house. We always played it. Um, you know, we had a connection to the other sports, but it wasn't the same. So, you know, when I went to college, um, yeah, you know, I, I had I was a different major in every, every college I went to because I just wanted to play baseball. That's all I wanted to do. So when I got cut, my freshman year, I was like, what the heck, what am I going to do? And I just needed to do something in baseball and I, you know, something in sports more than anything else. But yeah, that's where my love began though. My dad, man, we used to go to like 15 or 16 games a year. I don't know how he did it quite honestly, because you know, he'd work until like six o'clock drive all the way home an hour home or five o'clock drive all the way home an hour home. And then somehow get us to the game in time, which was pretty amazing. When, when did the goal shift? Because you mentioned having to like shift around and you're, you're, you had or multiple yeah. different hats throughout your course of your career. When did your goal shift from baseball player to broadcaster? Well, I mean, it shifted because I didn't really have control over it. Um, you know, when I got cut, I was sitting there going, what the heck am I going to do? I was actually a biology major in college, which I, was stupid because I was the worst biology major in the history of biology majors. Um, so I started writing actually for a local newspaper my freshman year. I decided not to transfer. I was going to transfer to another school to play ball. Uh, and I started writing for a local newspaper and I got a chance to, you know, write on deadline and, and do stuff like that. And then I eventually got a chance to cover the Phillies um, as a college student. And I thought, man, this is pretty sweet. And then somebody heard me do an interview on radio when I was a junior in college. And they said, Hey, you got a pretty good voice. You should think about doing this for a living. And I'm like, all right, I could do that. I had no idea what I was doing. I just decided I would try to get behind the microphone as much as I possibly could. And I did. I, I did my college football games. I was actually the color analyst. You know, I'm six foot, almost six foot three and 250 pounds. And everybody thinks I played football my whole life. But I was really I wasn't this big in high school. So I never played football. And they're like, oh, you could be an analyst. I was like, all right, I'll be an analyst. Um, and then I eventually started parlaying that into doing some play-by-play. -play. And, man, there is nothing more exhilarating than being on a, behind a microphone. Like, the, the natural high of just doing a game. I knew that right away. As soon as I was done with my first game in college, I said, holy cow, I need to find another game to do. Um, so that's how it all started. And it just kind of incrementally built up from there. I, I've been really lucky with the people that I've, I've been around that have given me the opportunities. One of my favorite things that I saw was that at one point you were the assistant GM of the Trenton Thunder, yeah. uh, which that's just, that's my, that's fascinating. Like, yeah. did you want to like eventually climb the ladder to do that kind of same job at the major league level? Or what was that like? Well, it's a great question. So I, I actually sort of stumbled into being the assistant GM. I was the PR guy, the radio guy, the TV guy for the Trenton Thunder. Incredible experience. Minor league baseball. Uh, is the most is the greatest education in the history of baseball educations for a broadcaster because you get to do everything. So, you know, I was promoted to being the assistant GM and then I accepted the job to be the general manager of another minor league baseball team. And as I'm driving to go sign the contract to do that, I, I don't know what happened. I called my wife and I said, I can't do this. I, I mean, I cannot worry about whether the soda's flat or the hot dogs are cooked or whether somebody can bring in water to a stadium. I said, I got a broadcast. And she said, I remember it. She said, yeah, that's fine. She goes, but you got to make sure you bring milk home for the boys because you know, I, I ran out and uh, just make sure it's home when you bring it home for dinner tonight. And I was like, okay. So I, I decided not to take that job. And then just all of a sudden just put all my focus on broadcasting. So I, I could have been an executive and it would have been fine. You know, I would have made a good living, 
but I would not have had as exhilarating a, a ride as I have right now. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like when we, can we talk about changing career paths and making these kind of career altering decisions, like how do you know in the moment that you've made the right decision? Because obviously there's more stability in what, than the, in the, the alternate job, but you know, you're trying to chase your dreams. So like, how do you, how do you know when you made the right call? Yeah. I mean, you don't, honestly, I, I think you just follow your gut, man, more than anything else. I mean, there is, there is something inside you that gives you that sort of drive to say, yeah, this isn't going to work because if I did it, let's say if I went and did it, I would have been fine, but I wouldn't have given it everything that I give this, if that makes any sense, because in my mind and in my heart, it wasn't what my passion was. So you don't know. I mean, you just kind of trust that you make the right decision. And, and I've been lucky enough to have a lot of people to lean on to talk about it. And I will tell you that being a minor league baseball, it is truly the greatest education because I understand the advertising part of the game, the importance of fan, fan interaction, fan appreciation, the ushers, you know, the concession prices, the, the grounds crew. I mean, there ain't nothing better than pulling tarp and nothing worse than pulling tarp also. <laughs> so, Yeah. So you, don't know. Awesome. you just kind of you kind of roll the dice and try to take advantage of whatever um, opportunities come your way. I, I said yes to everything when I was younger, everything. That's, That's so advice. true about the minor, the minor league stuff, man. Like I know, Jay, you're a big minor league fan, too, not just MLB, but from playing in the minor league, seeing especially um, in Pensacola, where I where I live now uh, in double A, man. I was pretty close with with some of the front office people there, and it, uh, you know, Florida it rains a, a solid amount in the summer, yeah. and they would go out there. These I would see these poor people going out there for that tarp, man, and it's <laughs> that's <laughs> just I mean, you know drenched. It's like you you'd reek of everything after that's over. <laughs> I mean, we used to have it's terrible. We used to have like a separate section of where our clothes were for the for the uh, tarp, and it was just. I got to tell you, though, I mean, there were times where I sat there thinking, holy cow, there's got to be something else out there. But you know what? It was the greatest education of the world. It really was. It yeah. really was. I'm still I'm still really good friends with a lot of guys that came through there. Some made it to the big leagues. Some didn't. Managers, yeah. you know, um, it was pretty cool, though. It was cool. Yeah. I feel like in the minor league setting that the broadcasters are I'm actually really good friends with the guy who is in Pensacola there and he's now the the Reds broadcaster, Tommy Thrall. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I feel like there's a, it's an easy place to build relationships with, with the other people No doubt there. It's definitely cool. Um, and I, you know, at summer ball in college, we would do Rutgers. We didn't have to do the tarp because we turf. So I don't have to worry about them, but college you pull the tarp. So I've been on tarp duty and I know what it's like, and it is definitely not fun. So I, it's I appreciate heavy, man. what you're saying. There. It's heavy. It's heavy. How do we get from the minor leagues to the Phillies job that you have now? Like what, what was kind of your progression after that? Yeah. So, so after I, I decided I didn't want to be the uh, general manager of this other ball club, which our ownership group owned, um, I decided I also didn't want to be the assistant general manager of the Trenton Thunder anymore, but I still maintained my relationships to be the broadcaster. So I took a job as the radio host of a drive time ESPN show in Philadelphia um, from four to seven, it was a brand new station. ESPN was trying to go national. So I did this four to seven show while also doing the thunder games. And one of the guys that worked at the, the Phillies, Scott Graham was moving into more of a play-by-play -play role and not doing the pre and post game show anymore. And they were looking for somebody to do the pre and post game show. And his boss, Rory McNeil, uh, who I, you know, was an incredible boss. Uh, Scott said, listen to this guy do his radio show. And he also does play-by-play. -play. So they listened to my show, unbeknownst to me. Uh, and that's basically how I got the opportunity to try out in September of 2000. And I did like four or five pre- and post-game shows, no play-by-play, -play, and then was offered the job. So that's how I got to the Phillies. And then a year later, they needed somebody to do play-by-play -play because Scott was going over to do the X – was it the XFL? whatever the, the football was in, um, in Europe, uh, NFL Europe. So I did like 14 games and it kind of brought in from there. And at that point I was doing Princeton football and basketball, and then eventually doing Rutgers football. 
Um, so things just started incrementally getting better and better. So I did the pre and post game show for the Phillies for five years. And the last three, I did two innings of play by play before the Mets called and asked if I wanted to do the whole game. And I was like, yeah, I'll do the whole game. Um, yeah. So that's how I got to the Phillies. It was, again, it wasn't luck. It was just being in the right place at the right time. And, you know, sort of having these relationships with people to try to, you know, I mean, I, I thought I was going to have to move. I mean, I had other opportunities outside of New Jersey and my family just really didn't want to leave. So, you know, you kind of have to juggle with them because you have to make it all work. That's yeah. We're going to get to that one second, but Mike, that, that whole progression there, you know, were you just getting better as a broadcaster, as a play-by-play, like everything, were you just getting better and better the more you were doing those things or was there extra practice you know when you weren't doing those things were you working on stuff by yourself because you yeah. know from doing this podcast from the beginning yeah I was just I the way I you know I feel like I can talk and and just kind of do things now from the first episode and Jay I'd probably say the same thing like I'm it's definitely gotten better for me personally but I'm just curious you know when that's your job and you have to do it and you have to be good at it I mean really good at it like you are is it just those repetitions of doing all those games and and doing all that stuff or is there a lot of extra work you're putting on that's not on camera or not on the radio or whatever yeah I I think that there's 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 nothing better than doing reps um but I would listen to my games on the radio my first few years and just kind of break down okay I can do it better there I can do it better here when I made the transition to TV, that was probably the hardest one because I was a radio guy doing TV and I would sit there and, and even now I go back and watch some of those games from the first couple of years. And I'm like, dude, you're talking way too much, but that's how you get better. You know, sort of the rhythm of doing the game itself. Um, so I would sort of break it down on my own. I'd have other people that would kind of help me with it. You know, I would give, people that I trust, I say, Hey, listen to this and tell me what you think. And I would do that for baseball, for basketball, for football. Um, and there's sort of the, the sort of, um, I try to envision what I'm going to say if X happens or Y happens before the game starts. Um, but there are even times now where I get into sort of modes where I'm like, man, I, I'm saying the same thing over and over again. And, I try to break myself of that even after 22 years in the big leagues. And that's the, that's the key is to, cause there's instantaneous criticism and gratitude on social media and you have to take the good, you know, you have to sort of separate it. But sometimes when somebody says something, you're like, Hey, you know what? You're right. I am doing it that way. So how can I make it better or adjust it? Um, I'm not vain enough to know that I have all the answers. And back then, man, I, I would sit there the next day and break down an entire game. And I, all of a sudden I was like, all right, I got to kick back a little bit and just let it sort of evolve as life evolves more than anything else. That, that just sounds like a lot of like, I, I can't listen to my own voice. Like it, I hate it, but I kind of have to, cause I also edit this podcast. So it's like, it's like, what, what am I going to do? Uh, so I, I can only imagine going back and watching three hours of yourself talk. I, I can't, I can't imagine what that must be like the next day. Well, road okay. trips, you know, road trips, there's so much downtime It's in the hotel that you're, you know, a lot of times when I was, and let's face it, you know, back when I first started, I, I still remember when we got our first computer in the Trenton offices and people said, what is that? I said, it's a computer. It's going to make our life easier. They're like, I don't think anybody's going to use that. And so back then, you know, the, the cassette tape was so big, you know, and the earphones were so fluffy that um, you kind of look goofy, kind of listening to your Walkman. But you just kind of start, listen, rewind, start, listen, rewind. But there's so much downtime on the road. Even in the minor leagues, there's even more downtime on the road. Yeah. Absolutely. One thing kind of stuck out with me as you were talking there is like, you, like how fortunate are you to have stayed in the same area? You're a Jersey oh. guy between the yeah. Mets and the Phillies. Like that must be like that, like a one in a million chance that happens, right? One, one in a million chance is no doubt. I, I was given, I was given other opportunities with other cities. And again, I, I just didn't think it fit my family more than anything else. And I figured if I couldn't find anything here, then maybe I would find something else or maybe I would do football or basketball. So, yeah, I've been lucky. I mean, we were thinking about it the other day. I mean, literally, we've, we're in the same house 
You know, my oldest guy is 27. He's the one doing the game for the Phillies this week. My other guy's still playing independent ball. He was two when we moved in. He's 20, he's going to be 25. So we've been in that same house and it's, it's been great family wise because you guys know, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to being in sports. So you keep that foundation. It's important. So yeah, I've been really lucky. We, that's not lost on any of the McCarthy's that we haven't had to move at all. It's yeah. I mean, that's, that's the hardest part about when you, when you're trying to chase like your dream job, it's like, you have to be open to be willing to move anywhere. No doubt. And it's no like, doubt. well, or I could just stay here, which I love. Right. That. That's my, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like my son, my son, who's an independent league ball player, you know, so he, he was released from his team the other day in Gary, Indiana, and he may have to go out to, I don't know, Billings, Montana or Ogden, Utah, or one of those places. You know what I mean? So played there, you know how that is. You know how it is. I played I played in Billings, man. Billings was uh, that was my first professional team short season for the Reds. Really, Billings back then. Yeah, now it's a Bill. Hey, just uh, just saying, Billings is a good spot. Really like Billings. They do it right there. Um, yeah, you know, cool city. His, his thing is just trying to find a place right now. It's hard after the season starts. You know, he gets released yeah. the day before the season starts, and it's like, hey, you guys got a roster spot? And they're like, yeah, not right now. Maybe two weeks from now. So yeah. Well, I hope that works out for him. I, I hear you on the all, uh, you know, it's taking me now. It's taking me across the world to Japan. So I'm with you on moving. It would be nice you to stay Japan? in that. I do. It's, uh, you know, it's definitely different. Um, lots of pros, some cons too. But overall, I'm very much enjoying the spirit, uh, the experience. You talked about you before we came on here. You talked about your your daughter. Um, I just had a daughter the other day. Uh, so nice. I, fl- so yeah, which is, which is awesome. But, um, so my wife and her are not here with me. So that's probably the hardest part. Um, just because yep. my wife was so pregnant and you know, all that, but, um, the style it's, I would love to see, you know, for all the games you've watched in the, in the major leagues, I would love for you to watch one of these games and, and kind of see what, what the differences are in your yeah. opinion. Because it's definitely, I, I, yeah. it's still very good baseball, very good baseball. Better, I would say, better than AAA um, overall. The pure like stuff from pitchers uh, in terms of velocity and and pure movement, maybe not, but just the level of play is, it, I would say, is better. But it's just, it's just different. It's just yeah. not the same as American baseball. You know, what's interesting is that um, so the Phillies played the Padres. Uh, while this was uh, we were taping this and Nick Martinez comes back with this Vulcan split and I'm like (laughs) it's an unbelievable pitch unbelievable pitch you know so you can probably preaching on here yeah yeah the hardest the biggest adjustment in the in the pitching like as a hitter all the pitchers here it's like for the most part 90 to 93 somewhere in that velocity fastball but they throw five, six pitches, all of them, with a you know a curveball that's about sixty-six miles an hour. So yeah. you know ninety-three to sixty-six is a big drop. And they all, the, my biggest complaint and the hardest pitch so far is they all throw splitters, and they're yeah. good. And it's just such a you just there's just not that many guys in the states that throw that that pitch. And yeah. a lot of them are having like there you go. Nick Martinez, perfect example, was here for a few years and, and now there. Uh, Kevin Gosman's another one who throws an unbelievable splitter and you've seen the run that he's been on the past two, three years or whatever it's been. And, you know, then you look at like Otani and I can't even think of other guys that throw that splitter, but it's man, it's, it's a tough pitch. It is yeah. a tough pitch. It's a tough pitch. It's a tough pitch. Yeah. But it's uh it's fun, man. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how everything shakes out in the future, but I'm definitely enjoying my time so That's far. Good. Um, That's good. But moving back to, the World Series. So, 07, they lose, right? They lose to the to the Yankees. Or is that 09? Yep. I don't even remember. So, 09 was the Yankees. 07, they lost to the Rockies uh, in, the, in the, the, the first round. That's what it was. Okay. So, 07, they, you know, they're getting there. And then oh, when, when 08 happened, obviously, you know, they have that rotation now. They have those guys. They have their – they have the hitters. They got Jimmy. They got Chase, mm-hmm. Ryan Howard, and all you know, all the uh, Jason Worth, all the other guys. What a, I'm having like hard flashbacks right now thinking about all those teams. <laughs> but 
uh, did you could you tell a difference from 07 to 08 as the season was going on? Yes. Um, I think there was more of a confidence than anything else. Now, they still had to come from behind in September to kind of erase um, a deficit. But, you know, Jimmy Rollins was at a certain level. Chase Utley was at a certain level. Ryan Howard was exploding more and more. And there was also, I mean, there was also the sense that we can make any move possible to make this team better. You know what I mean? Like they, the ownership group said, we got a taste of it last year. Let's see what we can do this year to make things even better. So that's where I think you can sense the difference. You know, it still wasn't a foregone conclusion, but you, cause there's a lot of luck. I mean, Brian, you know, that from baseball, so there's a lot of luck when it comes to winning a world series. That 08 team was great. 09, 11, better probably. Um, but they just clicked at the right time. You know, they got hot the way the Braves got hot last year. You know what I mean? So you can sense though that there was, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna lose this division. You know what I mean? We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna win this division. And that was kind of cool to see. Yeah. What was your what was your favorite moment from that season? Aside, not the playoffs from that that regular season. What does anything stand out to you? Yeah, um, Victorino threw out um, uh, threw out a runner at home in Atlanta. Yanel Escobar singled to center field, and he <laughs> clapped his hands up the first baseline. And Victorino threw out a runner trying to score from second to preserve Brad Lidge's perfect streak of um, not blowing a save. That to me, because we watch that highlight a lot, that was a huge, huge play. Uh, not only for Brad's psyche, because who knows where, like Brad will even tell you, he goes, who knows where I would have gone after that? Because it was still, yeah. you know, it was, there, there was still so much season left. So that was it. Postseason wise, stairs home run, no doubt. Oh my God. Dodger Stadium. Um, just because he's such a great guy too. You know, I mean, he's such a, he would have been great in Japan, right? Honestly, he would have been great <laughs> in Japan. But anyway, so that one, and then Victorino's home run, in that same game was kind of overshadowed, but that was a pretty cool moment as well. Man, the, the stairs thing, I, that's my, that's might be my favorite home run of all time. That, that home run is Ooh. just electric, but I always, that I feel like not that many people appreciate Matt stairs like us Phillies fans do. Yeah. Because I, uh, I always say I want to, you know, I hopefully I can play for a, a, a long time still but at the end of my career, I want to be Matt Stairs. And yeah, I don't man. think people like get that rep. Like they just don't, they don't get it. And I heard he's an awesome <clears throat> guy to go with it. So uh, that's yeah. funny, man. That, yeah, yeah that you home probably, run. You probably oh. missed You probably missed him in San Diego when he was the hitting coach there. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's, he's an awesome dude. Awesome dude. He's, he's one of the great characters of baseball. He really is. <laughs> he really I is. believe it. And in my head, I, and before he hit that home run, I envisioned him, you know, just like sitting on the bench and just, oh, I'm going to hit and then, you know, get out there. And that's like the first swing he takes is yeah. that homer. And apparently that's not too far from the truth. Apparently he was sitting there watching the game, so got on deck, doing. took his swings, and that was, and then that was it. So yeah, I love that. Power, that, that such man. a powerful, such a powerful swing. Such oh. a powerful swing. You guys should get him on no one day because he's got some great stories too. <laughs> If I can figure out how to hook up with Matt Stairs, man, I yeah, would I'll, be I'll, I'll send you elated. his information. You guys will enjoy talking to him. You guys will enjoy talking to him. Oh, that would be amazing. You, Thank you're you. You're in Japan. I appreciate that. You're in Japan. He's in Canada. Justin's in, in Annapolis. <laughs> I mean, you know. We're everywhere, man. That's yeah. awesome. Thank you. Go, yeah. go ahead, Jay. I just had a couple quick things about the Phillies right now. Uh, yeah. So, obviously, there's a great win last night, but is this kind of a make it or break it year for the Phillies and, and Joe Girardi in particular, you think? I think it might be for Joe. I think he's realistic to understand that, you know, he's been hired to bring this team to the postseason, and if they don't get there, then they may make a change. I'll tell you, he's he's such a good dude to have around, but he's also really smart. He's got and I think he's built this great staff, you know, with Rob Thompson as his bench coach and uh, Kevin Long as his hitting coach. But I think he, he's realistic. He knows what, what's at stake. I don't know if it's a make it or break it for the organization because I still think there might be some tinkering to do. But I think it would be really disappointing if they don't make it to the postseason. I, I, and, again, do they have to win the division? No. 
because there's so many teams that are allowed in the postseason. The Phillies probably would have been closer to it last year in expanded playoffs. Um, but I think for him, it is, I think he's realistic to understand that. And, um, you know, I think he's done, uh, listen, I think he's done a really good job for, with a team that's, um, that, that's, that hasn't hit its stride yet. And I think that's a good thing. I didn't even, uh, I forgot about this and I don't know how, cause he's one of my favorites. Have you, have you talked to Bobby Dickerson at all? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so while the Padres were in town, Manny Machado was just riding him like it was forever. You're lazy. You're this. And you know what? He's not more than anything else. You know what? He's not. He is not lazy. He is unbelievable. He is. So I, I think some of the best coaches that I've run into are these infield coaches, Bobby Dickerson, Ron Washington, uh, Perry Hill, you know, Davey Lopes, people like that. Uh, He is a, uh, he's awesome. And him coming back this year, I, I think really helped our staff big time. No doubt. Yeah. That's uh man. He worked with me a ton last year playing first base and every, I mean, every day he's ready to yeah. go. He's ready. Uh, he cares, man. He'll, he'll kick you in the ass when you need it, but he is, he'll love you. And, and he's, he's there to, to help you. He, oh, he's hysterical. He's, he's, he's and great. He, and he doesn't stop. Like it's all constant. It's constant, constant, constant. <laughs> So he's great. And uh, yeah, him and Manny going back and forth and some of the Padres guy, you know, it, it's great. And now Wayne Kirby, who's his other buddy is the, I think he's the first base coach for the Mets now. too. Yeah. So you'll run in. Yeah. I think we kind of, so I'm sure that'll be a, we kind of plucked uh, Bobby from, uh, from Showalter staff, honestly, because I think he probably would have wound up yeah. Showalter again. Probably, but I'm sure that you'll have to listen out for when, when you see the Mets next to, to yeah. hear Bobby and, and, curb going at it because that's a good one too yeah it's uh we well next week we face them again and it'll be our 13th game with them already we haven't faced the braves Jesus or the Nets already? yeah, yeah. Oh my God. two well, series at least, and, at least you're missing the grom and it looks like scherzer now yeah not that you know hopefully he's fine hope that but not a bad time to play the mets i guess if you're gonna if, yeah. you, if you don't get those two guys seriously <laughs> sorry jay go ahead no, it's, I was just going to say, I'm an, I'm an Orioles guy. So, yeah, there's a lot of Orioles, Phillies. That Bobby Dickerson is – I love that guy. Also, uh, Orioles and Phillies legend Rodrigo Lopez. So, uh, <laughs> Rodrigo Lopez. I love that guy. <laughs> um, all right, so I just had a couple quick rapid-fire questions, then I'll let you run. Yeah. Uh, so, I saw on your Instagram you're a pretty big beer guy, which I love. Like, what's your favorite brewery you've ever been to? <laughs> all right, so uh, there's this place in Heightstown, New Jersey, uh, that just opened. It's called Old Heights Brewery. Um, and oh, if you ever back up here, you know, it's, it's, it's not too far from Philadelphia, but yeah, it's an awesome place. Uh, guys that I went to college with the college in New Jersey opened it up and it is fantastic. Um, so that's right now, that's my favorite one. It's only five minutes from my house. So it's easy. It's funny. I, I was, I mean, I, I, I always dabbled in beer, but you know, over the last three years, as my kids have gotten older, my wife and I go to these different places and we're like, it's just funny how it's evolved, but yeah, that's my favorite place. I love that. I'm going to mark that one down next time I get up yeah. to the area. Uh, when you caught the home run ball in 2014, was there a small part of you that wanted to keep it just because it was such an awesome catch, even though you, you yes. just hit by the Braves? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I did get it back, actually. Um, it's actually sitting in my first baseman's mitt right now and on my desk at, at home. Um, nice. But yes, I did not want to throw it back. I mean, Jamie, <laughs> Jamie Moyer kind of made me throw it back. <laughs> And I've thrown so much batting practice over the years to my son that there's nothing left in my shoulder. So when I let it go, I was like, holy cow, I have not long tossed in forever. Um, but that was a uh, that was pretty sweet, that, that whole moment. So that was pretty cool. It was once in a lifetime. And I was like, ah, oh, even, even when I first saw it, I was like, you should have kept it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Somebody you, gave it back to me. I donated money to charity uh, so she, can, she gave it back to me. Best of both worlds. Uh, You you mentioned your son. How special was it for you last year when he got to take your place in the broadcast booth? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, you know, he, um, he, he's really good. I mean, obviously he's followed, you know, he's followed me and everybody in my world over the years. He's my stat guy and my spotter for the NFL games. So he comes to all those. My other son does the same thing during his baseball, you know, off season. So the fact that somebody, wants to do what I want to do, even though I've been traveling so much during most of their life and missed most of their baseball. You know, he's a college baseball player. Um, he was a recruited basketball player because he's like six, six, 
but he turned himself into a submarine pitcher his senior year in high school and decided to pitch in college. So, you know, he pitched in college. Um, so to, for him to want to do this is pretty sweet. Um, you know, is it convenient that he does it for the same organization? It is because I love the organization uh, and he's earned it even. I mean, he's been in AAA for five years, so I mean, he's only 27, but he's really good. So that was pretty special to see it. And, and the fact that he did so well, you know, I didn't really look at any social media till the next day. And it was pretty cool. Um, it was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. That's really special. Uh, he's got way so- better hair than I do too. So that's the only part I hate. <laughs> Love it. Uh, two more quick ones. Road stadiums. Which ones have the best and the worst broadcast booth set up? Uh, Washington has the worst. It's really it's high. Up so high. <laughs> and Pittsburgh's close, but I love the view of Pittsburgh. So they kind of, you know, they, they're not cool. put in that category. Uh, the, best is, <laughs> the best is San Francisco, aside from us, because you're down and you're kind of in the crowd. And that is really cool. And there's such great sight lines. Uh, but, yeah, so Washington is probably the worst. And then San Francisco is the best. <laughs> I love it. All right. Last question. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, just to be myself more than anything else. And it, it came from Harry Callis who said, cause I, I mean, listen, I'm not him and I don't have the baritone voice that he has or the, the cadence that he has, but I knew that I eventually was going to take over for him. That's why I was brought back from the Mets. And he just said, just be yourself because if you're somebody else, it might work for three days but it's not going to work for three years. So that's the biggest thing. Thank you, Tom. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem, guys. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, if I could do anything, let me know. Yeah, Tom, thank you. Tom, thank you so much. Seriously, that was – this was awesome. It was fun to talk to you. I know you got uh, some special stuff to go get to. Uh, So we'll let you go. But, yeah, man, if you could hook Matt Stairs up, that would be be so cool. I'll I'll call him, and I'll I'll send you guys his information. Oh, Tom, you're the best, man. Thank you again so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. It's nice talking to you. All right, guys. Be great. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. Playing on your radio, coming through your stereo.